Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan from Mount Gambier, Australia, and this is my quest to teach the whole New Testament as deeply and helpfully as I can. So grab your Bible and a beverage of choice, and let's take a few intentional minutes together in the deep end. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. Our passage for this episode is Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the beginning of one final challenge to the people in the temple courts, likely around Wednesday afternoon of the Passion Week. His disciples are addressed here, as are the gathered crowd. The subject of the lesson, the scribes and the Pharisees, are most certainly included, and what we are given here is one final and rich commentary on all that Jesus has seen over the last three years of his public ministry, and how it contrasts with the way he has in mind. The challenge is simple. Consider who you want to be in relation to God, a religious, pharisaic individual or a disciple who leans into the kingdom way as told by Jesus. Given the contrast offered here, it is clear that you cannot do both. So let's take some time to consider the commentary. First, Jesus publicly acknowledges the authority these teachers have among the people. They sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they are stewards of the Jewish Mosaic law. And they tried to steward this faithfully. They learned it deeply. They memorized entire chapters and even books. They sought to be the best at interpreting things and being faithful to understanding how these things were to be lived out. They consulted all the ancient commentaries and looked for the best interpretations. They sought to be approved and qualified as best they could in order to instruct their nation towards holiness. Jesus credits them in this regard to the point that he endorses the things they teach. Be careful to do what they tell you to do. He had interacted with them enough to see that they knew their stuff and no doubt deliberated over all sorts of finer details with him over that time. Some, as we've seen, were quite noble in their honest interaction with him. But sadly, this is where the glowing part of Jesus' commentary ends. These guys knew their scriptures, but their practice of them was way off the mark. To the point that Jesus told those around him to listen to the way they interacted with the scriptures and remember that they are still in leadership and therefore in a place where divine order is still happening. But don't by any means apply them the same way they do. This would matter and help believers for a time because for the first few years, believers still attended synagogues on the Sabbath and listened to this instruction. And at the end of the Sabbaths, they would then go and celebrate Christ in their homes. There was validity in their religious instruction, but the teachers were nothing to be imitated. 
What a sad state of affairs, and a state indeed to be mindful of today. When we have churches with people who know their scriptures in and out, but fail in its application, we already creep into Pharisee territory. To know better, but practice poorly or not at all, is hypocrisy. To illustrate the point further, Jesus offers these observations. First, they put heavy loads on people which they themselves won't carry, neither would they relieve them for the one who can't bear it. They set impossibly tough standards in how to live out the Mosaic law. They took it all at face value when reading and interpreting it, highlighting the letter and essentially ignoring the intent or the spirit of things, and they swung heavily to legalism in their teaching of it. Throughout this podcast journey, we've seen various ways this overemphasis on the letter of the law plays out, their treatment of the Sabbath being one key area. Their hypocrisy was on display in that they themselves would not stick to the letter of the law that they prescribed, and they held no regard for someone else who was having trouble catching up in living out any part of God's law. They would prescribe the way of life in the strongest, most controlling way, fostering a culture of fearful followership and never journey with a person and help them along the way when they found things difficult to uphold. That's a part of what carrying each other's burdens is all about in Galatians chapter 6. When a fellow pilgrim in faith is down, you get around them and pick them and their burdens up. Pharisees held no such conviction and instead would leave a fallen pilgrim in their dust. Next, they had outrageous bells and whistles. By this I mean they were going over the top with their phylacteries and tassels. It was common for devout Jews to tie little boxes on their arms, which would contain prayers and scriptures, sometimes even the Shema, all in keeping with the Shema passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, a passage I pointed to a couple of episodes ago. These boxes were called phylacteries. You could either open them up and devotionally read the parchment contents, or you could simply hold them close and know that these sacred words were close at heart as you prayed. Done right, this was a discreet and beautiful thing. But done wrong, it would get comical. These things would become huge and awkward, deliberately oversized and tied to arms and foreheads so that everybody knew that the people wearing them were pious and devoted people. In Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 to 40, we see some instructions about how the Israelites were to dress. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corner of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. In response to this, the Pharisees would have robes made with outrageously long tassels so that everybody saw that these guys were all about following God and would be admired for their public display. But what was the purpose of these things according to God? For the wearer to be reminded, not those around the wearer. These items of devotion were for personal use and reminders of personal relationship. Instead, they put all the religious bells and whistles in place so that everyone else would marvel at how religiously devoted they were. Jesus denounces these things, stating that all your devotional stuff when done like this was only for show and lacking in genuine substance. Then, as if that wasn't enough, they had to have everybody actively and openly admire and respect them. Not by what they did, but by the position in society they held. They loved the way people around them made a fuss. They enjoyed the esteem that the people placed on them. 
They loved sitting at the head of a table and being the center of attention, and that their religion made way for such a reception. They loved being the guy seated nearest to the scrolls in a synagogue, and when the people looked to where the word of God was, they would see this proud and pious Pharisee seated nearby. The title of rabbi originally began as a mark of polite respect, the religious equivalent of sir. We know that Jesus himself took the form of a rabbi in the way that he taught his first disciples, because this was a standard order of things. But we see a great sense of intimate interaction between the rabbi Jesus and his disciples. There are clear times where he let his guard down with them so they could see his humanness. They would walk beside him without fear of reprisal and they could ask questions all the time, not just be silent and wait for whatever the master would say. Outside that relationship, the title of rabbi was beginning to get overly inflated in the eyes of society, and it was becoming a title of great authority, and even abuse. There was a point where a rabbi would set tough rules on young disciples, calling for obedience without question, forbidding them to even walk beside or in front of them. There was respect to all rabbis, and Jesus was quite the relaxed version of one. But in Pharisaic circles, it was starting to get out of hand. They had to hold rank. They had to be distinctly separate from the people. And the word rabbi or master was the ultimate way this could occur in their setting. So a Pharisee, somebody whose religious expression is being clearly rejected by Jesus here, is someone who may be deeply religious and someone who knows their scriptures well. But they either fail to live it out properly themselves or communicate it in such a way that it becomes incredibly hard for others to follow. They have a faith that works well for them, but it either alienates people around them or makes overly dependent people who lean far too heavily on them for their spiritual welfare instead of leaning on God. They put too much emphasis on the outward showings of a religious expression and exaggerate the things which were designed for personal devotion so that others admire their public statement without knowing if the private devotion matches the outward show. And we have people who insist on pulling rank and being respected by men when faith in God was always about what he thought and not the crowd. This is precisely the expression of faith that a disciple is being called to reject in no uncertain terms. And instead, Jesus prescribes a whole other way. It's less palatable, it's less flashy, but it's what the kingdom of God calls for. First up, in verse 8, Jesus says, Don't pull rank. Don't seek titles. Don't look for the superficial respect of a title, but earn the true respect of being an equal member of a people. Rabbi is often translated as master, and Jesus states that this is now his title alone. In the kingdom economy, every believer is first among equals. The word father being used here speaks of originators, such as a descendant or authority and faith. It is a different word to the more intimate family setting of a dad. Instead of giving this title to a religious head or even a patriarch in the Jews' case, a disciple gives God alone this title. After all, he is our originator, our true source of life. And don't call yourself teacher. This is not to be confused with the gift of teaching that we read about in Ephesians 4 and elsewhere. That word in the Greek is didasko, and it's a function we all have a role in playing for the sake of others. But the word Jesus uses here is kathagetes which means one who goes before, and is speaking of the messianic work of Christ and the post-ascension work of the Holy Spirit, and he backs that up in the very next sentence. The Pharisees claimed to be the authority on what the supreme way was, and Jesus' ministry was all about refuting their claims and setting the right way. As far as Jesus was concerned, there was only one who had truly gone before, the Messiah himself. 
Anything a disciple teaches must involve pointing others to him alone. No dependence on them, full dependence on him. When we embrace ranks and positions that are too lofty for any of us to carry, we draw people to ourselves and the cross becomes a dangerously distant second. And unlike a Pharisee who only got into this whole religious thing for the prestige and power, a Christian finds greatness in serving others. Hopefully, you didn't enlist into a church community to become a bigwig in it. You were called there to serve God and others and to find comfort in the fact that this is your pathway to true greatness. The church seems to have this phenomena where apparent nobodies become somebodies, and there is both beauty and a threat as we consider that idea. It's beautiful in Christ. Paul in 1 Corinthians tells us that Jesus takes the foolish things of the world and he confounds the wise with them. But it's dangerous when Jesus isn't intimately involved. In the trusting environment of the church, there is a risk where people with poor characters in the world around them can sometimes become people of influence in the church. They will say the right things to appear nice and wholesome, but their character isn't always properly tested. They can get too self-reliant and manipulate their way into places of power in the church and do huge amounts of damage as a result. A Pharisee in this case is someone who wants to wield influence in the house of God without being a servant and without their character being truly tested. In all this, Jesus presents a contrast and calls us even today to make a choice. Be a Pharisee or be a disciple. You cannot be both. Indeed, they will soon prove to be violently opposed to each other. So let's ask a few reflective questions as we consider this passage. The simple overarching one is this. Are there things going on in your life which may indicate a Pharisaic pathway in your faith expression? In your church setting, are you seeking to wield influence and pull a crowd towards yourself with diminishing regard for the cross? Are you seeking power in the church for any form of personal gain? Are you distancing yourself from the burdens of others instead of bearing them together? Are you less and less inclined to serve but still calling for things to be done your way? Do you communicate a gospel that is deliberately muddy or incomplete or one that creates a burdensome way to the cross? Do you have a phylactery and tassel problem? Do you make your devotional habits and acts of piety a little bit too public and showy? Do you deflect questions about anything that might make you look bad to the point that you are becoming unteachable? Are you a little too enamored with rank or title? Going by this passage, these are all Pharisaic warning signs. And I invite you to speak with a close believer or pastor who can pray for you and hold you accountable. And from here on, consider the way Jesus calls us to here. Godly, Jesus-approved influence and even greatness is achieved through service. Disciples are doers and servers, while Pharisees are merely observers. A disciple knows the word with clarity. They do the word without distorting it or making it heavier than it really is. They carry others when they find even the light burden or yoke of Christ heavier than they first thought. They find rank and title completely unnecessary and even unpalatable. They ensure that Jesus is exalted at all times. And they serve their way to becoming great. That is the call out of religion and into the kingdom. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about this podcast and other ministries I'm involved in, go to my new website, www.ministryinthedeepend.com.au. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. So please like, follow, subscribe, connect, and comment wherever you can. 
I'll look forward to catching up next time. See you then.